Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number Denver, Colorado, uh, episode number 303. With us today is uh, your trusty threesome, Brendan Maluli, Tim Maluli, and myself, Tom Maluli. Tim, you want to lead off with something that caught your eye in the last couple of days? Uh, yeah, so there was an article that we saw. Uh, they, they talked to, to a, a hedge fund manager who said that they think a 50% drop from the February highs is is still on the table, or they think that that's what's coming. A 50% um, drop from the February highs. Right. So we've already been down 35. Yeah. If we get down 50% like that, that would be where roughly where we would bottom. I don't know. It just seems like the popular take nowadays is, is people think that we're going to go lower. Things are going to get really bad and stay really bad. And it's just, uh, we went from very optimistic before all of this to extremely pessimistic. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how much weight you put onto any of that. We always say all the time how predicting the future is, is a loser's game. The thing that really got my attention when I saw that, I, I read the same article. This was on CNBC. It was um, Paul Singer from Elliott Management. The line was, our gut tells us stop right there yeah i i think importantly like what tim said sentiment was optimistic in the complete opposite direction of this two three months ago and i think it's just as fair to dunk on those people because obviously they were wrong too all of the price targets into the stratosphere for this year nobody knows and so to to pick on people i think you got to be an equal opportunity uh basher there Yeah, yeah exactly because Nobody knows which direction we're going in, but I think like in terms of this one, so if the move that they say is true and we're going to be down 50% from the highs, let's remember that that's not a permanent move. So if we are, what do you do about it? Right. What are they, how are yeah. they positioning for this? What are they doing? And what should like, what should you do about that? If you're going to give credence to the idea that that's a possibility, like what does that do for your situation specifically? Because this, this dude is talking his book. He's a hedge fund manager. If you run a hedge fund, by definition, you are hedged, meaning you're not 100% in the stock market. You're, in fact, that would be irresponsible. You should be not in the stock market because your portfolio is supposed to be correlated with the market. It's supposed to be uncorrelated. It's supposed to be a hedge against stock risk. Yeah, like you're going to be bearish pretty much all the time. And this guy is. That's what it said in in the article. It said this guy and their fund is constantly predicting bearish uh, results and negative takes. It's good for their business. It's a lifetime bear. So they they show you know, like what their fund has done versus like the market this year. And this is a problem I have. Like when the market goes up, all the hedge fund people say, well, we're hedged, so we shouldn't be measured against the market. But then when the market goes down, they're like, oh, well, you know, the S&P was down 20% last quarter and, uh, you know, we made money. It's like, well, that's that's terrific. But when did that become your benchmark? Right. It wasn't It wasn't your benchmark before when you were losing to it. So it shouldn't be now when you're beating it. Yeah. yeah. It's not your benchmark. So don't, don't use it as your benchmark. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in general, it seems like we've gotten away from not we meaning not us, but I mean, the industry in general has gotten away from talking about what this money is for. 
for someone's college education or for retirement. And everybody is concerned about what's the next move in the market. And I think Ashby mm -hmm. uh, had a post about that as well. Yeah, our, our friend Ashby Daniels, the title of his post was The Next 20% Move. And he talked about pretty much the opposite of what this guy was saying. Like, hey, we don't really know where the market is going to go from here. And he used the quote from Nick Murray. He says, I don't know what which direction the next 20% move will be, but I feel certain I know where the next 100% move will be. And that just says, if you zoom out long enough, you tune out some of the short-term things that are going on. A lot of Ashby writes for retirees for retirement. So his, his audience, their money is for 20, 30 years down the road. And if you zoom out, the market goes up and to the right. I mean, we're also not going down 100%. Exactly. Like, there is like, no the possibility never, of 100% move down. If, if the market goes down 100%, then I don't know what we're all going to be doing, but I'm, I'm certain we're not going to be worried about the Dow Jones. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Ashby writes a, a great, he writes really well. I love reading his stuff. You can find his website at retirementfieldguide.com. Uh, but he's got a, uh, a line in there that just makes so much sense. Retirement can be a pretty long gig, like 20 or 30 years. So you need to be focused on what this money is for. I love that line from Nick Murray. And Brendan, you've got a book on your desk uh, that you refer to a lot. Yeah. I think it's given you a lot of uh, a lot of peace, especially in times like this. Yeah, it's just wisdom that I enjoy imparting to our clients too, because it's stuff like this. Is and it's true. It's important to remember. Uh, a lot of his his advice is important to remember when. Things are going crazy in both directions because he would be also the first person to slap you on the wrist for getting crazy and going above your risk tolerance when things are doing well, too, because I think that's just egregious as a sin as bailing out when things are bad. Along the same lines, Josh Brown tweeted out the, the article in Vanity Fair, not a research uh, source, uh, Vanity Fair. But uh, it was an article that uh, they talked about Warren Buffett and they talked about Bill Ackman and they said maybe maybe Buffett's buying and just nothing but pure speculation that maybe somebody's doing something. Yeah, I think I didn't really like this article that much because it, it didn't say were, anything. One, it didn't say anything. And two, it, I don't know, it was kind of painting like Warren Buffett to be this guy who's supposed to be like signaling the market that like it's it's OK to buy and Everyone wants Warren Buffett to do something and they want his input, but like 99% of the time, what he and Charlie Munger say is to do nothing. Right. But they don't want his opinion when he says do nothing. Uh, so I feel like this article was trying to not like bash Warren Buffett, but it was like, well, where is Warren Buffett right now? Like, why, is he, why isn't he doing anything? And they were like, Bill Ackman's taking his place because he's out there signaling to the market that we should be buying. It's like, well, maybe Warren Buffett's doing that for a reason. Like, right, so we, we've he doesn't got, know. <laughs> we've got these all-time investor greats that get trotted out on the TV, and we have Ackman, we have Buffett. Everybody likes to get sound bites from Jeff Gunblack. I mean, you, you can rattle off these these names, but they all run. Buffett and Munger are running a publicly traded company, but like they run it like a hedge fund. So my point again is just that these people are running institutional money. They're not necessarily doing anything based on what they're saying on TV. In fact, they could be doing the opposite. And like, so what? If Warren Buffett is buying, yeah, what what impact does that have on you? 
that literally none yeah. like it's it's a warm fuzzy thing like oh uncle warren's buying terrific but like why does that impact your financial plan i mean if, if you want to take that and make make yourself feel better or like like the thing people are trotting out like a week or two ago was march was one of the biggest months for uh you know, like corporate insiders were buying their own stocks during March. Yeah, that that's great. That's not, you know, it's it's a nice anecdote to say like, oh, these, I guess these people really do believe in their companies. So they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're, they're buying more stock than they already have in these companies. And maybe they know something about it that we don't. But for you and I and everybody else who just has investments that need to get them through, you know, uh, retirement or whatever, like, are you necessarily changing your investment game plan based on whatever, you know, investment favorite of yours has recently said something on television, that's ludicrous. I mean, we always tell people you shouldn't compare your financial situations to other people. And I think comparing your financial situation to Warren Buffett is literally the last person that you should be comparing it to because he has billions of dollars. And he can buy an entire company yeah. people if are he the, wants to. People are saying that, I mean, he invested billions of dollars in 2008 and 2009 into different companies, but he could afford to do that. Sure. For the put, put it into percentage terms of, of his entire net right. worth or what, what Berkshire has in terms of market cap and cash to spend. Like it, it's like, okay, yes, he put he put together this number, which is some ludicrous dollar amount, billions of dollars, but like where's the denominator on that? Right. Yeah. What was that? Oh, okay. So, so basically that was the equivalent of him like rebalancing his portfolio and putting right. like five percent into much. stocks or something. It's yes, like you be, you might have done that last week in your retirement portfolio, except it's scaled back to yeah. whatever your net worth is, which not is not as off. impressive as Warren Buffett's, which by the way, is not a terrible thing. He's yeah. the fourth richest person in the world, so right. come on. Yeah. So he's got 400, this is as of January, he's got 450 billion as a market cap you know, for Berkshire, and they've got 125 billion in cash. So if they're gonna drop 5 billion into XYZ or whatever, yeah, you're right. It's going to be like a rebalancing. It's right. not something that's really going to move the needle in a seismic kind of move. I think there are a lot of things to take away from people like a Warren Buffett. I'm not saying that there's not wisdom that you can you can glean from learning about this guy and what, what his philosophy is and what he's done over the years. But but to use stuff that he says as like literal buy and sell signals is not he would never I don't I'm gonna speak for him. I don't think he would tell you to do that either. <clears throat> yeah. I I'll say this. Uh, there's a lot of people in our line of work who are waiting for Buffett to, or Berkshire Hathaway to make a move because they're gonna take that as a signal that it's okay to buy. I take that, if I see Buffett is buying with both hands, that's a sign that we've fallen really far. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, he put money to work in 08, 09, and it wasn't the bottom. No. He put it, it was around the bottom. In hindsight now, I was like, yeah, that was a great time to be buying, but there was plenty of downside left when Buffett was putting money to work in 08. So yeah. it wasn't like, I uh, know we've mentioned this before, like it wasn't an all clear signal because guess what? Those don't exist. Right. The other thing that people tend to gloss over is that most of the deals that he did in 2008 were income deals, deals that came with a 10% interest rate or some kind of big fat coupon and not necessarily for equity in companies. Yeah, he was being like a private bank to it's these big companies. That's exactly he has, what he was. He has enough money to do that. Yeah. So I'm okay with Warren Buffett sitting this one out if he's not doing anything because it tells me that this is recoverable 
we can all recover from this. And we're not at the depths where a guy like Warren Buffett will come down you know, and start buying things. I mean, even the last time he did, though, that was recoverable. We're right. here. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. yeah. But Brendan, you know what? The I think the the point is, is that when you, you know, in our conversations that we that we have, there are people out there who are really scared. They're really nervous. We don't want them to be. There are people who are coming to us who have train wrecks because they are not where they should be in terms of allocating their assets properly. They've got too much at risk. And now they're paying for it. And I, what's what's the Buffett quote? Find out who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. Yeah. So yeah, when when stuff gets rough in the markets, people find out if they were misallocated beforehand, which might have been feeling good on the upside, but not so much on the downside. So you fine tune what you're doing. I just think that it's interesting that people focus in on the buys and sell decisions of Buffett and Charlie Munger when, I mean, Charlie Munger just said in an article with Jason Zweig today that one key to great investing results is sitting on your ass. People use them for when like a, an indicator to buy or make decisions and 95, 99% of the time they're doing nothing. And like, that's usually the right thing to do. And you know, the other thing, just harping on this again, they are value buyers. And so they want to buy assets at hopefully pennies on the dollar. And usually when they make some kind of announcement that they're making a deal to buy an entire company, I don't know about you guys, but my reaction is, oh yeah, I used to like buy, I used to own that stock 20 years ago, but I, I forgot about it. He likes to buy in these beaten down industries where he can get assets really cheap. It's surprising to see Berkshire Hathaway own Apple. It's uh, surprising to see them own some of the companies that they do right now. Because when they do, when they go in to make a large transaction, it's usually for a company that's left on the side of the road, left for dead. That's kind of what Munger has changed about Buffett over the years, was it went from looking for cigar butts to looking for growth at a reasonable price. Right. So yeah, they, ha- they have a portfolio of not all cigar butts. Really though, like they're, what, what they're doing, it's not it's not an indicator. It shouldn't e- be. Either way. It shouldn't be. It people isn't, people it will isn't. use it. Will use it as they an can indicator. use it as one. It doesn't make it an indicator. It's nothing. Yeah. It's it's noise in the grand scheme of things because your situation is not similar to theirs at all. Before we started recording, one of the bigger takeaways that we said from the article from Jason Zweig and Charlie Munger was it was pretty much Charlie Munger just saying, I don't know, about a lot of the situation of what's going on right now and there are a lot of people who are afraid to say that they don't know. And I, it says to me, if if Charlie Munger won't make predictions about where the market's going to go or how long or short any of this is going to last, any ad- advisor down the street who says that they know where this is all going is is full of it. Good to remember. I think it was in Ashby Daniels' post where he said, pundit after pundit will come on TV and they'll say, here's what's coming next. And that's honestly, that's... That's when I want to hit the mute button. Episode 303, Denver, Colorado. We're looking forward to being um, in Wheeling, West Virginia. Episode 304 uh, with our next one. Thanks for tuning in.